Open your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We'll continue our study in this wonderful chapter. We've already looked at the first five verses where our Lord Jesus Christ was praying about himself to the Father. And this is a prayer set before us by God the Holy Spirit through the pen of John the Apostle, but again, the true author of this chapter, as all the scriptures, is God the Holy Spirit. Again, in the first five verses, the Lord Jesus Christ prayed for himself to the Father. Now, we enter into the second section of this wonderful prayer, where our Lord Jesus Christ is going to pray for his disciples. But also, you're going to see through the verbiage that our Lord uses, that he's also praying for all the elect of all the ages as well. Just as we saw in the first section as well. My, oh my. And you know what this shows us? This shows us the intercession of Christ. This next section is especially going to show us the intercession of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our Lord in this section is going to pray for all those whom the Father had given him. And especially in the verse that we're going to look at today. He's going to pray for all those who the Father hath given him. Now he hasn't just given him those 12 apostles, has he? No, there was 500 more too. That uh, were around after the, the Lord has risen. And also, all the elect of all the ages are a number that no one can number. So he's praying in this section also for all the elect of all the ages. In verses 1 to 5 again he was praying for himself. His own glorification. Which is the great end that he had in view was glorifying the Father, wasn't it? That's why he came here to this world. To glorify the Father. In John 17:1, he says, Glorify thy Son that thy Son also may glorify thee. And in John 17, 5, he says, Glorify thou me with thine own self. Take note. I found this interesting. I didn't notice this until one of the commentators brought this out. This was magnificent. Take note whom he prays for first. In the first five verses, he prays for himself. For the glory of God the Father. Before he asks a single thing for his people. Just as in the prayer that he gave us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. We're to address the Father first, aren't we? In our prayers to God, we always say, Heavenly Father, or Righteous Father, or Holy Father. However way we say it, we always address the Father. Through Christ, right? But we address the Father first. And notice, notice that our Lord, before he asks anything for his people, he prays for himself. You know why? Turn, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. Do you know why? you know why he does that? Because he must have all the preeminence, right? In him is all the preeminence. He gets all the preeminence. A long time ago, a preacher friend of mine, before I came here, 
told me, always remember when you go there to Almont to preach that Christ gets all the preeminence. It's not about you. It's all about Christ. And I never forgot that. That was Jean-Claude that told me that. And I never forgot that. Always make Christ the preeminent one, whether it be in preaching or whether it be in pastoring. Always make him the preeminent one. He is the most important thing. And so we see here, just as in the prayer that he told his disciples to pray, our Father who art in heaven, we see him say right off the bat in verse 1 of John 17, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. Right away he addresses the Father. Right away. First word he speaks, Father. Father. First word he speaks. And this shows that in all things he must have the preeminence. Because he's the head and what? We're the body, right? Look at this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 to 22. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have what? The preeminence. That means he must be first. He must be first, beloved. For it pleased the Father that in him, that being Christ, should all fullness dwell. And heaven made peace through the blood of his cross. He made peace not for himself, right? He already had peace with God, didn't he? He's the sinless one. He's the spotless one. He already, he already has peace with God. Who did he make peace for? You and I. Sinners such as we. That's who he made peace with the Father. I was thinking about this today. I was thinking about this today. I, I was being honest with myself. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, Lord... You know, I've had people wrong me in my life, wrong me as a, as a believer. Would I give my life for them? And you know what my answer was? No. I'm being honest. My answer was no. And then I thought, would I give my life for the ones I love? My answer was yes. And I asked the Lord, please change my heart. Please change my heart. Because I should be able to answer yes to both questions, shouldn't I? But see, we're humans, aren't we? We're sinful. I'm being honest with you. That was my first answer was no, right away. Just not, without, even a, without even a hesitation. Would I give my life for my enemies? No. But what did Christ do for us? Scripture says we were enemies in our mind. And that just put me right on the desk. My head down on the desk. I was an enemy to Christ. In my mind. Now he's always loved me from eternity. Which we're going to see tonight. But in my mind I was an enemy towards him. I might not have verbally said. I'm your enemy Lord. I might not, but my actions sure spoke that. My words. Oh my goodness. My words were horrible. They sure spoke that. And yet he died for me. What love. What love. See, we can't do that. As a matter of fact, I was listening to Donnie this week, and he says, the scripture tells me to love my neighbor. He goes, but I don't love my neighbor like I should. He goes, actually, it's impossible for me to love my neighbor as God tells me to love my neighbor. 
I just can't do it. But Christ did it for me. Aren't you thankful that Christ done that for us? That although we were enemies in our minds, the scripture says, by wicked works, which is by sinfulness, yet he died for us. Oh, see how, see how far above us he is? He's wonderful, isn't he? He's absolutely wonderful. He's so wonderful, it's absolutely incredible. His ways are not our ways. Look at this. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, he made peace for us through his death, through the blood of his cross. And all I listened to a message today on the blood. How important is the blood of Christ? How important is that shed blood? Do you know it has such value? It has infinite value, beloved. It's so valuable that it's what purchased my salvation and yours too if you're a believer. It's so valuable. It's so precious that it, it wiped all our sins away. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Not maybe, not well dependent, depending on how good of a person you are. Well, I ain't good at all. I'm a sinner. Praise God. He says, when I see that blood, when I see the blood of Christ upon you, I'll pass over you. Oh, my. The substitute died for a sinner like me. And now all I want to do is proclaim how wonderful he is, how, how amazing he is, shedding his precious, precious blood for us. And look what it says here. And having made peace through his the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. He's reconciled us to God. By him I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven. Now I once had a lady who was attending here at one time. She's not here anymore. But she came up to me and she said, well, I've never been an enemy with God. And I said, really? She said, no, I've never been an enemy with God. I said, well, then you don't know Christ. Well, I didn't go over very well, let me tell you that. Didn't go over very well. But you see, this is not my opinion. The, the, the reason I can say that is that we were enemies with God is because look what the next scripture here says. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind. How? By wicked works, by our sinfulness. That's not my opinion. That was me. That was me. Before the Lord saved me. Yet now, look at this. Oh, praise God. Yet now hath he reconciled. Brought together. And do you know what? I wasn't the offended party. I was the offender. God was the, he was the offended party. And the perfect man, the God man, the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life. To reconcile me, and if you're a believer, to reconcile you to God the Father. Why? Why did we need to be saved? Because we were enemies in our minds by wicked works. That's what we were. That's, that's what the scripture declares. My. In the body of his flesh through death. Look at this. To present you. Okay, now I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I'm more aware of my sin now than I ever was before the Lord saved me. Before the Lord saved me, I didn't have a clue, to be honest with you, about my sin. I, I did something wrong. I knew it was wrong, but 
Ah, nobody, nobody caught me. And then when the Lord saved me, I realized the eyes of the Lord are in every place. So everything I thought I was getting away with, God saw it all. Everything I thought, oh my, oh my, everything I thought, the wickedness of my mind, the wickedness of my actions, he saw it all. It was just laid bare in front of him. Right? But he saved my soul, beloved. And he can save anyone who comes to him by faith. And that faith is given to us by God. But he can, anyone, he saved to the uttermost. He saved me? He can save anyone. I know what John Newton means now when he said that. And it's so true. You know what? There was one old timer he wrote. He said, I'm a great, I'm a great sinner. But praise be to God, Christ is a great savior. Now look at this, what comes next. So he's reconciled us through his blood, right? The body of, of his flesh through death to present you holy. Dave, he's going to present you holy. And he's going to present you holy one day. When we leave this, this world, then he's going to present you holy. We're sinners. But this is, see, this is not my opinion, Right? This is not your opinion. This is what God the Holy Spirit has written about his people. It's about you holy and unblameable. Sister D, you're going you're gonna to appear in the presence of God unblameable because of what Christ has done for you. Brother Brian, you and I are going to, we're, we're going to appear in the presence of God with all those things too, but we're also going to be unreprovable. No fault found in us. Sister Jill, you too, all the same. All of us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? We're like, oh, I'm such a sinner though. But now we're reconciled. Now we're reconciled. This is what makes salvation in Christ so wondrous, so amazing. That the, the darkest sin that I've ever committed, that no one else will ever know but me and God, is gone. I remember it, but he don't remember it. He says, your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Praise be to God. Is it any wonder we worship and adore our great God and King? Oh, my, think, you know, I don't want us thinking about the worst thing we ever did. But it's gone. In God's eyes, it's gone. Now, sin is sin, isn't it? Doesn't matter if it's a little sin or it's a great big sin. It'll condemn you to hell, just like the other one, one or the other. Sin is sin in God's eyes, you see. How much sin does it take to condemn us to hell forever? Just one sin. You ever lie? Oh, we're all done there, aren't we? Well, hallelujah. One day Christ is going to present us because of his death, because of his precious, precious blood, his sin atoning blood. We can present us holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Oh, that's wonderful, isn't it? Now let's read verses 4 to 10 of John chapter 17. That's just the introduction. Let's, let's read verses 4 to 10 of John 17. Oh my. This is wonderful. Our master says, I have glorified thee on the earth. Speaking of, of 
the Father. He's glorified the Father on earth. I finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Here's our verse tonight. I have manifested thy name unto the man which thou gavest me. Out of the world thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have surely known that I come out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. Now look at that. Twice there he's, he's make reference to the Father sent them. He said that I came out from thee, so the Father sent them into this world. And then he says, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Do you believe that God sent, sent Christ into this world? Yeah. Yeah. You know not everybody believes that? God's people do, though. And we know who he is that came into this world. He's God. He's gone. Now they have known all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. And have known surely that I came out of thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Oh. Look at that. Oh, that'll be an interesting verse when we hit that, won't it? He says, I don't pray for the whole world, but I pray for those who you gave me. Do you know that in this prayer here, he's praying for us? 2,000 years ago, God in the flesh prayed for you and I as believers. My. And this has come true now, right? We, we now believe the words that the Father gave him, don't we? By the grace and mercy of God, we believe. There was a time when we didn't believe. Now we believe. We believe. But for them which thou gavest, hast given me, for they are thine. Do you know that before the Father gave them to Christ, before the Father gave us to Christ, we were his? I just, that, that hit me today and just knocked my socks right off. We were his by choice. Before he gave us to Christ, we were his by choice. And then he gave us to Christ. That's what it says, right? For they are thine. And all mine are thine. Look at that. He's just reemphasizing it. All you gave me are yours. Are yours. So the Father chose us, right? We were his by choice. And we're going to look in a passage in Isaiah, and it's not God looked down through time and saw who would choose him. You know that scripture that says he knows the end from the beginning? Think of this. He looks down in time and he sees us all dead in trespasses and sins. Every single one. Because he knows the end from the beginning, right? He's the inventor of time and space. He's outside of time and space. He doesn't dwell in time and space. He dwells outside of it. And he's actually the one who made time and space. I was having a good talk, conversation with my son last week about this. 
that, that Christ, God, is outside of time and space. He's not, he's not affected by time like we are. So he knows the end from the beginning. We know from when we live to the end, right? He knows the end, all oh, backwards, <laughs> to the beginning, and back again. So when he looked, saw us all dead in Adam, all fallen in Adam. Scripture says we're a chosen generation. He chooses us out of our generation, beloved. Isn't that amazing? That's just, we can't comprehend it, can we? Makes our mind fizz, but it's true. That's the truth. It's the truth. Let's read verse 6 and take note of the word gavest in this verse, which is give. He gave us to the Father or to the Son. And be amazed that God the Father had chosen us. We were his. Can you imagine that? Can we even fathom that? There's, that's truth, though. God the Father chose us. Not, there's nothing in us to make him choose us. He saw us dead in trespasses and sins. Lost. No hope. And by his free grace, and by his mercy, he chose us said, you're mine. You're mine. Why did he do that? Because of his love for us. That's, that's eternal love. Before there was ever a world, before ever time began, he chose us in Christ because he knows the end from the beginning. Yes. Yes. Look at verse 6 again. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. In time and space, right? Out of the world. Right? Thine they were. Look at that. They were yours, Father. Dave, do you ever think you were, were the fathers? That's what this scripture tells us. We were the fathers. God chose us. We were his. We were his. And then look what it says next. Look what it says next. And thou gavest them me. So the father chose us. We're his. And then he gives us to the son. You know why? Because he's the bridegroom. We're the bride, beloved. He's the bridegroom. We're the bride, Ponder this. God the Son loves those whom the Father has given him. And the Father has given him this people by his sovereign, almighty choice. There's nothing in them. Not, there's nothing in us that would merit this, is there? Is there anything in it that, that would cause us, anything in us that would cause God to choose us? There's nothing in us. It's, we're just like everybody else. So what, who makes the difference? What makes the difference? God's sovereign grace is what makes the difference. It's God who makes us to differ one from another. It's God who chose us, passed by others. I'm the only one in my family who I know the Lord saved. And I just rejoice that he had mercy upon me. Now, I, I pray he saves my brothers. I pray he saves my nephews and nieces. I pray he saves my daughter and my son. 
I hope he does. But only he can save them. I can tell them the truth, which I do when the Lord opens the door like Brian and I were talking about. I don't try to shove my own foot through the door. I used to do that. I don't do that no more. This week, I ended up talking to my son for about an hour and a half. He just started asking me questions just out of the blue. Vicky was listening from the other room, and I was talking to him. Next thing you know, Vicky and I are both talking to him. It was wonderful. But it was very calm conversation, which was a blessing. Now, he asked some, some tough questions, but... Again, you guys know me. I always answer from Scripture. That's what we do. Just answer people from Scripture. Answer them from what the Word says. Don't give our own opinion. Answer them with the Word. Because that's what penetrates, beloved. But look at this. And we were talking about this election, him and I. We were talking about this. And this was all done. This, this sovereign choice by God was all done before we were even born. Before we were even born. Was done before the world was even created. And it was all done because of the Father's love to us. But I have nothing in me that the Father would love. But it's his sovereign choice, isn't it? It's his sovereign choice. So Christ loves his, his people because they are his by the Father's choice. They are his by the Father's choice. The only reason we are Christ is because the Father's chosen to be so. That's the only reason. There's nothing in us, nothing in any of the elect that would cause the Father to choose us. Nothing in us that would merit this wonderful choice by God. It's all determined by the eternal love of God. Now, I don't know how you were raised in your family. I don't know how your mom and dad raised you, but I had an interesting relationship with my dad. And someone told me one time, you will not understand the Father's love. Dave, someone told you, or you did not do the same thing, that because of what the relationship I had with my dad, that I wouldn't understand the Father's love. But you know what? The more I study the scriptures, in these last seven years being with you, the more I realize that my dad's love was absolutely nothing in compared to the Father's love for me. This love is an eternal love. This love doesn't change because of my things I do. Okay? This love doesn't make the Father mad at me because of my sin. No, it's been dealt with at Calvary's cross. Right? We're reconciled now. Remember the scripture we read? Now we're reconciled by the blood of Christ. So now the Father's wrath has been turned away. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 46. Let's look at this quick. Isaiah chapter 46. We'll read verses uh, 9 to 11. 
And this is where we're going to see again, which I've mentioned in the past, and it's worth repeating, that God knows the end from the beginning. And this will help us to understand his everlasting love for us because he's outside of time and space. So his love is eternal. It has no end. It has no end. It's unchangeable by anything in, in time, right? It doesn't change by circumstances because he's outside of time, right? And he's, remember, he's in charge of all that's happening on this earth, right? So all things are happening according to his will and purpose, right? All things. You know, someone asked me, well, if that's the case, then he's the author of sin. No, he's not the author of sin. Not at all. Not at all. You know why there's wickedness in this world? Because of sin. Do you know why man can't find peace in this world? You know, they sign peace treaties, and then a month later, they're fighting each other again, lobbing missiles at each other, right? Because they're a bunch of sinners. That's why. That's why. That's the bottom line. Why is there death in this world? Because of sin. Right? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, my. Look at this in Isaiah 46, verses, verses, uh, verses 9 to 11. You remember, we're all dead in trespasses and sins, and God sees this. Look at this. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There's a statement right there. I am God. Right? I'm God. He's saying this. I'm God. And there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Now, remember, he's speaking these words from a divine mind, right? He knows he's the only true God. But man in the human... This is one thing I had a good talk with Joshua this last week was, I said, you're asking these questions from a man with a human nature. God says this, and he has a divine nature. That's why we can't understand what he's saying in our natural state. That's why Christ has to reveal him to us. Now, if I had read these words before the Lord saved me, I'd just like, well, okay. But now I read them and I'm in awe. Look what he says this here. Declaring the end from the beginning. The opposite of how we live. The end from the beginning. He already knows how it's all going to wrap up. He already knows. He's not affected by it because he's outside of time and space. Look at that. And from ancient times, from eternity. And I'm not going to say all eternity because eternity is eternity. <laughs> the things that are not yet done. Look at that. Same. My counsel shall stand. What he says shall stand. You know why, why the oceans can't come any more further than why, what they are? People are all worried about, oh, there's going to be this, this flooding everywhere and all this stuff, and the ice packs are going to melt, and there's going to be waters flooding everywhere. No, they can't. You know that ocean can't go beyond its boundaries? Well, where's that? In the scriptures? <laughs> Now, should we, should, we, should we live in a way that, that, that helps things? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? If you, if you want to recycle, recycle, right? 
There's nothing wrong with that. But it's when people start forcing these things upon you, right? Saying you got to do this and you got to... See, man thinks, oh, the world's going to end because of man doing something. Let me tell you this. The world's going to end when the Lord ends it. Then it's going to roll up like a scroll and burn. But it won't happen until the Lord commands it. I'll tell you that. Oh, my. How, well, how, how do we know that? Because my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Look at this. Now, now he's so intricately involved in the things of this world that he says, Call in a ravenous bird from the east. Who fed? Who fed Elijah? Birds. Amen, brother. Birds. Oh, look at that. The man that excused my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I purposed it. I will also do it. Well, he said that he'd save his people from their sins. What has he done? He purposed it, right? He's done it, hasn't he? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those who the Father gave to Christ, spoken of in tonight's verse, were and still are beloved of the Father with an everlasting love. Just because the Father has given us to Christ, he didn't stop loving us. You know the Holy Spirit loves us the same as the Father and the Son? Because they all do things all according to their counsel and will. The three are one, right? Have the same will, purpose. Oh my, it's wonderful, isn't it? God the Father, in his everlasting love, chose the people in Christ. Gave them to him. You think of this. God the Father, in eternity past, set his love upon us. Set his heart upon us. I was thinking about that today, and I was just fizzing right out. But it was a good fizz out, I'll tell you that. My, what love. What immeasurable love the Father has for his people. What immeasurable love the Son has for the people who are a gift of love to him. Do you know we're a gift of love to Christ? The Father's loved us, right? He gave us to Christ as a gift. Sinners such as you and I? Me? Yep. I believe it if the word says it, right? I don't understand it all. But I rest my eternal soul upon Christ and him alone. Do you? There's no other hope for this fella. You know, if you take away Christ, there's no salvation. There's no salvation you take away Christ. But praise be to God. He's an everlasting Savior, isn't he? He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No one's going to take us out of the Father's hand. Think of that. And no one, that's why Christ says, no one's going to take you out of the Father's hand, and no one's going to take you out of my hand. Why? Because we're in their hands. The Father gave us to Christ, right? Now he has, he has a responsibility to care for the sheep. You've heard me often say the shepherd has a responsibility to care for sheep that, that are his. We're God's sheep, beloved. Given to the great shepherd of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who the Father loves and those who the Son loves, the Holy Spirit loves also. 
right? With the same everlasting love. It's amazing. They're one nature. They're of one purpose. They're of one will. Therefore, all that the Son loves, the Father loves, and the Holy Spirit loves. My. This is amazing. This is truly amazing. So what this text is bringing forth is the everlasting love of God towards his people. Let's read it again. He says, I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest me, and they have kept thy word. Now, that's a strong chord, isn't it? That's a strong chord which binds us to Christ. Listen to this verse in Ecclesiastics. In light of a, being a strong cord of love that keeps us. Now you bundle a bunch of sticks together, right? You've got to unbundle or untie that cord, don't you? If they're tightened, if there's three or four, if there's three things of, of tight twine on there, you've got to either cut that or you've got to undo all them knots. My, my. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes 4.12. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. A threefold cord is not quick, quickly broken. So three cords wound into one is not quickly broken. Hmm. Look at our verse again. I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest me, and they have kept thy word. And then Ecclesiastes says, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Marvel, marvel at the wonderful truth set before us in this verse. Okay? This is, this is amazing. Christ has saved us by the shedding of his precious blood. And he did it all according to the will of God the Father, who chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And the Holy Spirit has regenerated us, right? And we are now born again, given faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is all because of a threefold cord of love. Loved by the Father with an everlasting love. Loved by the Son with an everlasting love. Loved by the Holy Spirit with an everlasting love. A three-fold cord that cannot be broken. Cannot be broken. Cannot be. A three-fold cord of everlasting love. In the everlasting love of the Father towards us, the everlasting love of the Lord Jesus Christ to us, and the everlasting love of God the Holy Spirit towards us, what, what mercy this is. Can anyone break that love? Can anyone cause that love to cease? That's why the Lord said, no one can take you out of my hand. And no one can take you out of the Father's hand. Because you're in the Father's hand and you're in my hand. 
Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. What boundless love we see here. Threefold cord, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the saints are drawn and held by that cord. That's why the Son says, no man can pluck you out of the Father's hands. No one. Remember that night I said you were in his grip? There it is right there. There it is. It is wonderful. Kept by the almighty power of God, beloved. Saved. Kept by the almighty power of God. And this, this threefold cord, it cannot be broken. It can't be broken. It cannot be broken. And you know what that tells me? What eternal safety God's people have in Christ. That's eternal security, isn't it? A threefold cord holds me. Has drawn me and now holds me. Oh, praise be to God. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And sometimes we're weak in faith. Sometimes our hope becomes clouded. Sometimes our love wavers, doesn't it? Yet we are bound together by this threefold cord. My. Which can never be broken. It's the eternal love of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for his people. Listen to this. As we read that verse again, I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. See, salvation's not according to our performance, is it? It's not according to anything we do. It's all because of what Christ has done. See the word manifested there in the text? In the Greek, it means to make visible. To manifest. To make apparent. To make known. To show openly. Did we know anything about the Father before the Lord saved us? Nothing at all. Now we know something. We know a little bit, don't we? Oh my. Turn if you would to 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Lord Jesus Christ has safe, successfully accomplished the work of salvation, which the Father sent him to do. He's manifest God's name to his people. Our Lord in our text, he says, I've manifest, or I've revealed. I've revealed you, Father, to them. Oh, my. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 29. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. That's what we preach. That's what gospel preachers preach. We just preach Christ. Right? Under the Jews, a stumbling block, and under the Greeks, foolishness. But under them which are called, those who the Father gave Christ, those who the Father sovereignly chose, that we looked at in John 17, 6. But to them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Jews and Gentiles, right? Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how 
that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world. And things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. See, we got not... We, <laughs> oh my, we know where we came from, right? We got nothing to boast in, do we? Nothing at all. Wonder of wonders, God had mercy on me, a sinner like me. That's a wonder, I'll tell you that. Now turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. See, the gospel is one time, one time the gospel was hid to us, wasn't it? It was hid to us. But by the grace and mercy of God, it's being revealed to us now. To we who are the redeemed of the Lord, it's, it's being revealed to us. The gospel is no longer hid to us. We know a little bit now about God. Do you know, do you know that it's God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness? And oh, how dark that darkness was we were in. I know how dark the darkness I was in. It was dark. Darkness of sin. Look at this. Look, 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 at, what, look what God's done for us. 2 Corinthians 4, 1, 1 to 6. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, which we have received mercy, we faint not. Every one of God's people received mercy from God. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We don't walk in the way we used to walk. We're, we're new creatures in Christ now. Still sinners, but, but we don't desire to do the same things we used to do. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Look at that. The gospel's hid to them that are lost. The gospel was hid to me for a long time. The Lord was pleased to reveal it to me. And that wasn't until my 30s. My, it was hid to me before. I, I had no clue who God was. Not even, I had a God of my own imagination, but he sure wasn't the God of the Bible. He was hid. And whom the God of this world, look at that, Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves. If you find a man preaching himself, he's not preaching the gospel. We have to exalt Christ, right? As I said earlier in the message, he has to have all the preeminence. Now, we may tell you some of our experiences as gospel preachers, but we're exalting Christ. He's the one who gets all the preeminence, right? But if you get a man who's talking about himself and what he, he does and what you have to do, and there's no mention of Christ, that man's not preaching the gospel. As Paul said right here, we preach Christ. We preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. For Jesus' sake. The, the preachers are, are God's servants. We're servants to the congregation. You know, a preacher's called to serve. Yeah, it's true. Not called the Lord over anyone. We're called to preach the gospel and be servants where the God, where, where God sends us to. My, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake, because of Him, because of what He's done. Look at this. I love this. This is what God's done for every one of us as believers. For God. 
Now look, it doesn't say, well, man walked in Nile. Or, For God, who commanded the light to what? To shine out of darkness. Now I'll tell you what, you ever try walking somewhere in the dark when you're at home at night? I've done it a few times. I've got to turn lights on now. I end up banging into walls. I've got to have the light on my phone now when I go in my room at night. And you know what? Sometimes when it's so dark, you can't see nothing. You're just groping around looking, where's the light switch, right? Or feel, or uh, we've all done this, right? You get out of bed and you start walking. You're like, where's the wall? <laughs> you got your hand in front so you don't hit the wall, right? Oh, my. But you can't see it till the light comes on, right? Oh, my. Look at this. For God who commanded the light to shine. It's God who commanded the light to shine in our hearts. Shine of the darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's given us faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not groping around in the darkness anymore, beloved. Now, we see through a glass darkly, Paul said. Right? We don't understand everything that's going on. But we have our hope, don't we? And that's Christ. We, we're led by the light. He who is light of the world, we're led by him. Oh, Christ was manifest to those who the Father gave him out of this world. It's, again, we see it in, in verse 4 of our text, or our chapter. Go to John chapter 17, verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And that was to save his people from their sins. You know, Scripture declares this of of God. That he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John chapter 1, verses 10 to 13. Let's read verse 6 again. Take note again. And note, note as we read this, do you know what Christ is doing? He's interceding for us. We're going to see at the end of this prayer, and all, we've seen it so far too, Christ is interceding for his people. This is before we were even born, beloved. He's interceding for us in the garden. Look at this. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of, this, out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept my word. Here's, here's the great interceder right here, the mediator between God and man, the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Who did he give a ransom for all? All his people. All that the Father gave him. He said, I don't pray for the whole world, remember? He says, but I pray for those you gave me. And if he gave his life a ransom for all, that's not everybody in the world, because then he failed, right? Because there's people in hell. But our Lord, he didn't fail, did he? No, he didn't fail. He redeemed every one of his people. Every single one that the Father gave him in love. He's redeemed them. Why? Because he loves them. See, that's what drove him there, beloved, was his love for you and I. That's what drove him to die for us. To give his life for us. To shed his blood for us. What love. 
what love he has for us. He says, where I, where I am, you're going to be there. Oh, my. And you notice, too, he presents himself. I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of this world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. The great interceder here is interceding for his people. And he presents his own along with himself in this prayer. Because remember, he said, I finished the work. And now he's presenting all those the Father gave him with himself. Note the connection between he and his people. Again, he's the head and they're the body. He reminds me, long ago, the, the prophet of old said, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me were one. We're one with Christ. It was a fulfillment of that which had been so strikingly foreshadowed by the high priest of Israel. Aaron, the scripture says this, And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of his judgment upon his heart. Here he's going before the father, the high priest, and he's bearing our names with him before the father. The breastplate of judgment upon his heart, and when he goeth into the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually, Exodus 28, 29. So here before us, we see our great high priest going before the father in the presence of the father, and he bores the names of his people upon his heart. He's praying for us, beloved. He's praying for all the Father gave him. My, oh my. Note in our text that the Lord brings forth that he has manifested the Father's name to those whom the Father hath given him. It says this again, I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world, Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. He's manifested the Father's name to them. You know, Christ is the only revelation of the Father. If you don't know Christ, you never know the Father. But if you know Christ, you know the Father. Remember he said to one of his disciples, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Oh, and when the fa Father, or when the Son manifests the Father's name to chosen sinners, He assures us of our adoption. He is, He He makes us to know that God is our Father. He makes us to know that Christ is our elder brother. He makes us to know that the Holy Spirit is our Comforter. He makes us to know that Christ is our Savior. He makes us to know that He's our Redeemer. He makes us to know that heaven will be our home. He makes us know that we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Why? All because of the Father's eternal love, unchanging love towards us. We are his by choice. And he loves us. And we're given to the Son who loves us also with an everlasting, unchanging love. And what else is revealed to us? That Christ is the righteousness of God. He's the righteousness of God. 
and that our God is the only God, as he said in Isaiah, right? The one true God. Our God is a just God, sovereign God. And praise be to God, he's the one true living God. And we've been saved. He's, he's also the saving God, isn't he? He's a saving God all according to his plan and purpose. And it's impossible to know the words of God until you, you've been made to receive them by grace. Oh, he is the revealed word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know him as the incarnate God now, don't we? We know him as the sent one of God. We know the Lord Jesus Christ is the only divinely appointed substitute and savior of sinners. We know him as the only accepted sacrifice by, by God for the sins of all his people. And this wonderful salvation comes to us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ by his precious, precious shed blood. He is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. He takes away the sins of all his people, beloved. Gone! Gone as far as the east is from the west. And marvel at this wonderful truth. Think about this. I'm going to close with this. Think about this. We belong to God by creative right. He created us. He created us. We belong to him. He's our creator. We're the works of his hands. We also belong to God. We are the people of God by his sovereign right. As king of kings and lord of lords, he has a sovereign right to choose whomever he shall save. We are his by fatherly light, right? His love has everlastingly been set upon us. The Father's love. And if we belong to God, we belong to the one who is all wise. The one who can keep us. The one who has the power to keep us. And the one who loves us with unchanging love. And I ask you, are we safe then? <laughs> Oh my, we're safe in Christ, aren't we? Safe, safe, safe in Christ. We're in the city of refuge, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise his 